A girl should be two things. Who she is and what she wants. A woman who understands her worth, value and potential is powerful. She creates the world she wants, nurtures those around her and transforms power into the change she wants to see. Each time a woman stands up for herself, she stands up for all women. We all have a Wonder Woman inside of us and without the struggle, she will not stumble across her strengths. So in this series, we talk to the women who have chosen to stand and represent her constituents. And each one does not believe her gender is a barrier, but they have seen and felt the disrespect, unfairness and dismissiveness of men in power and know that equality and inclusion is possible when we understand power is not given to you, it's something you already have. It's about taking what you have and using it to create what you want. We dive deep into why they ran for the most recent council elections and what they hope to achieve in the next three years. Okay, so today's guest is Pam Kensett. She is the Mayor of the Upper Lachlan and we've travelled out to Crookwell today uh, and I'm sitting here on her farm. We're in the backyard looking over the beautiful hills and uh, the gorgeous garden that you've got um, growing around the house and it's a beautiful sunny day. It's about 27 degrees. So welcome, Pam, and thank you for inviting me here. Well, thank you for coming and welcome to heaven. (laughs) <laughs> Certainly is. Lots of memories sliding back on that dirt road. I'll bet. I'll bet. And and between the hills, you would have just had memories from the beautiful hills that we live amongst. Well, for me, it was the smell. That was what ah, was so familiar. Walking, yeah. just being out here and smelling the, the fresh country air mm. and the, mm. the gum trees and the the lavender and all of that sort of stuff that comes up and the roses out the front. Yeah. You just And we walked up into the shed and yeah. you, you mentioned the sh- <laughs> the smell of sheep and wool and that lovely greasy sort of feel in the air. It's it's unique. It it's is. unique to us who live out here. Well, here, that's what we're going to ask you about. So oh. where is the Upper Lachlan? So you go west of Goulburn and um, past Pijadam and that's the start of our shire on that western side. And then into Crookwell, and from Crookwell we go all the way north right up to the Lachlan River um, and then across to Taralga and up north of Taralga to the Abercrombie River and then all the way down to Gunning and from Gunning to Collector and around past Dalton and nearly as far as Rye Park. So we take in a big area. Yeah, so, and, and so what does that population look like then? 6,845 ratepayers, I think. So there's obviously a few more but that were not old enough to... Or was that 6,484 voters? That's what it was. Right. Yeah. And, of course, the underage ones couldn't vote. <laughs> so um, I think all up about 8,000 8, in our shire. Mm. And we've 7,500 square kilometres. So we've nearly got a square kilometre each. That'd be nice. Yeah. And then 2,500 k's of roads to maintain, which is enormous. It's enormous. That's a big task. So I guess that comes to the next question is you've taken on the role of mayor Mm -hmm. of the Upper Lachlan. Mm -hmm. 
What made you do that? I'd been on council for five years and I'd seen that the the potential was there for us to really be a progressive council with a, a bigger vision. And I looked about and I thought, I'm probably the best person to do that. Um, we'd like to, as a council, get to um, zero emissions by 2030. We may be able to get there before that. And I just think that this new council that have come together are a very progressive group of people who think really outside the box. And I thought that I would be able to manage mm. all of the personalities that are there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that role is very representative of the community. So have you got that diversity yes. on the council? Yes. Yes. And um, the big change in our council this time is five women mm. and um, and four men. And um, that's never happened before. And they've never had two women in a leadership role. And um, they've never had a migrant mayor and they've never had a female mayor. <laughs> and they've certainly never had an Irish one. <laughs> so I'm ticking boxes. Yeah. I'm ticking boxes. But you, you've been here for a while now. Oh, I've been here 32 years. Yeah. yeah. This is home. Like I've been here longer than I was there. Mm. And I really feel at ease here. And I felt, you know, felt like I fitted in from day one. It's just been magic. And, and so what what are some of the what experiences or skills that you bring to the mayorship of uh, the Upper Lachlan? Probably looking at things of left or centre rather than straight down the line. And um, it's quite good because the others sort of draw me back in and um, steer me in the right direction. But I will always tr find the optimum output that we can do. And the optimism, I suppose, is really something that I have. And um, I'm fairly confident and gutsy about, you know, getting out there and looking for money and finding ways of organising a better income for us as a shire. Mm. And, and how do you prioritise those, I guess, the output? Like what does well, that... At the moment, our biggest priority are our roads because we've got a, had a thrashing from the rain. But compared to people in Lismore, we're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know... Now, that is something that um, people who I've spoken to about you have said is that you are extremely grateful for mm. and um, have a gratitude attitude. Yeah. Well, I'm very grateful to live here and I'm very <laughs> grateful that, you know, Australia, that I met an Australian and I was able to come and live here and, and just soak up how lucky this is, the lucky country, and how lucky I am. So I am. Every day I'm very grateful and I meditate in the morning too. <laughs> Make sure I don't forget. <laughs> yeah. And so what is it about Crookwell that you love? I arrived in Crookwell and we drove through the town and I was with a bloke who lives in Sydney coming down for a weekend. And this is when I first came to Australia, driving through the town. And I just looked at him and I said, I bet there's a Massey Ferguson tractor dealership on the right as we drive out of here. Because it was just, it was such a typical town of, I mean, it's, it's just a beautiful country town. Mm. And it still is a country town. And it hasn't been, our uniqueness is in the fact that we're authentic. Well, you only have to walk down the main street. We are very authentic, you, you know. <laughs> you don't come here to a petting zoo. You come here to look at a farm and you come here to um, experience. This is what people do every day. This yeah. is their lives. It's it's not it's not a stage performance. Yeah. And um, I just was embraced by the community, you know, we, 
preschool and then primary school and just they took me in and I was really, really grateful to them. And I just felt at ease. I don't know why. Mm. You know? Well, it's what makes you feel hard. at ease. It's not hard. It's not hard it's not when hard. you're out here and you can see mm. just the peace that sort of comes over and mm. the wash of calm mm. in the mm. area. Um, and I think also people are a little bit slower out here too. Like they take their time to do things yeah. and talk to people and yeah. and enjoy the food they eat and mm. um, listen to what you have to say or or I don't know. I think it's just a little bit a little bit more conscientious. And how important are like I guess the friendship networks out here too? Because oh, very, very yeah. Huge like, what does systems. that look like for someone in yeah. the city who lives next door to their neighbour? Yeah may not never know them for mm. 20 years. It's huge. It's huge. We have this fabulous um, setup where the boys who live in this district, men, some of them live alone, and they meet once a week up at our local hall <laughs> and they watch the footy and they've done all the interior themselves. Everything is theirs and it's what they want and it's perfect. And that's, that's a really good friendship group of people. Mm. They went fishing last week. For two days. <laughs> so I think there are very strong friendships within the community between various women. And we've got a stitching group and a quilters group. Um, you know, so there are things that people do to get together. And it's interesting that you, you say do because when they're doing, they're actually being as well in there. Very much. Isn't it? It's yeah. very much about that connection. Yeah. So they're not, it doesn't really matter what they're doing. Yeah. It's it about, doesn't matter what they're doing. Yeah. And our men's shed is fabulous because they just go down there and they mightn't do anything all morning except yarn to each other <laughs> so i think friendships are really um the glue of the country yeah yeah and i have some really very good friends who are enormously supportive to me they think i'm mad but they support you in the madness yeah they support me in the madness i mean they, so many tried to talk me out of being there so many tried to talk me out of going on to council again so they just said no it drive you insane and i go no I want to do it. I love it. So what's the vision then for me for the next, what is it, three years? Yeah, two and a half years. Mm. So it doesn't give us very long, but but the vision would be to see if we can be as renewable as possible, but also get a lot of maintenance done on our roads. We've fallen behind a lot with the maintenance and we need to go back to basics and get the maintenance done. And Because um, that's the lifeline really, isn't it, it is. for a lot of these people out on the farm? Yeah. And, and if we can't get our product to market, then the farmers can't get an income. And once the farmers don't have an income, there's nothing for them in town. I mean, the towns die because we've nothing, no money to spend. So predominantly out here, what sort of agriculture are we grazing, expecting? Grazing. Yep. So we've got fat lambs. Majority of people would have prime lambs or merino sheep and um, cattle in other areas, but not so much out where we are here. Um, Angus and Hereford mainly. So it's really, um, it's really passive active culture. You know, they're grass fed, they live out there and they have a very nice life. Mm. And that sort of sits well with me. I like, I like and the idea. And are they high maintenance animals? Are they? Yeah, enormous. Yeah. Sheep. Dreadful. <laughs> I think but, people don't realise what goes on to oh, get a sheep. God, no. To the market. No. I mean, they're in and out and drenching. And this year we have had such a wet year, their feet became impacted. And so they'd get maggots in their feet and the maggots would make their way up their legs and then fly below their brisket. So it's been a shopper. Mm. You know, I'd almost prefer a drought. 
<laughs> well, I think that's the thing is you don't actually know what you're going to get each season. You don't know. You don't know. And, yet, look, you, you're planning in the middle of sort of the wettest period, you're planning ahead and you might go into seven years really dry. So you have to, you know, there's a margin of error everywhere. And so what is it as the mayor or as the council, what do they do to support the agriculture and the, oh, pro- and the try and maintain the main artery roads to the sale yards and and road priorities are set very much on our truck movements and keeping our truck drivers safe mm-hmm. and that would be one of my biggest things is just keep those truck drivers on the road and keep them safe um without them nothing happens mm. Mm. so it's just it's mm. just up there yeah and i mean we have other things we i mean we've got a big olive um, yeah production area out at Peelwood, which is unbelievable how much is going out of there, how many trucks go in, how many trucks come out. Um, so, you know, I'd like to expand our whole beautiful food. And, you know, years ago I went to a meeting and got laughed out of the room by mentioning high-altitude food. It's clean. Yeah. It's clean. And, it, you know, anything that's grown at an altitude is going to be of a better quality. So I'm just... I came out here for a very short spell just to do some work on the bounty with a bloke that I know from Ireland and he wanted someone who could use a camera. And so I came out, did the camera work and then came down here with a friend of my brother's. So my brother had come here in about 85, I think, worked out at rugby, which is a bit further on from here. And so, of course, when you come to Australia, you meet up with the people that you know, family connections. So I'd come down here with the bloke that had employed my brother for a weekend just to have a look around and I got invited to a New Year's Eve party. So I thought, God, why not? But I didn't say yes. So the um, captain of the bounty who'd employed me as the camera person um, might have been a bit keen or might not have been a bit keen. We didn't know. And um, anyway, so I said to myself, if he does this, I'll do that. So I asked him, would he like to have um, Christmas with me and my brother's friends? Or um, was he going to be with the crew? And he said, oh, I think I'll stay with the crew. So I thought, "Mm, well, I'll go to the New Year's Eve party with the brother's friends. So off I went to the New Year's Eve party. And um, at 7 a.m., Dave Kansas was still standing up. And I thought to myself, my God, you are made of great stuff. So he offered me a beer and I took it. <laughs> at 7 a.m.? Mm. Nobody had ever offered me a beer at 7 a.m. And um, I didn't drink it. And so we just started dancing and we've been dancing ever since. Oh, I and know. so how long is that now? So that was New Year 1989. Wow. And, um, yeah. We're good at dancing. We were at a wedding last week and we were dancing our socks off. <laughs> and that, that leads you to your two gorgeous children. Yes. So that, well, we went back to Ireland, had a couple of jobs to do, went to the Solomon Islands and then um, and we got married in Ireland. So he went over with you? Yeah. Oh, fabulous. Because I thought if I'm going to come and live in his culture, he should come and yeah. experience mine. He'd live in Ireland now. I wouldn't. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to ask you, like, what was the difference between there in Ireland and here in Australia? Oh, 30 years. Step back 30 years in life. Mm. Mm. What was going on 
back in Ireland when in the oh, 80s when it was, gosh. yeah, I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> so the 90s in Ireland, they had got rid of plastic bags. Mm. Was that the highlight? Well, that was pretty good. That was thinking ahead, wasn't it? Yeah. And you know, we were just about 25 years ahead of Australia in that one. It was a different world. Mm. You know, we were very much more liberated than country Australia. I'm not, we can't compare the city to Ireland, but we can compare, compare country to country. Mm. And I'd been in the country. And um, just a different world. Different. Honestly, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like People stepping were so into... conservative here. Oh, really? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was like going back to the 50s. Well, I, would... I wasn't alive in the 50s, but it was. <laughs> I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Mm. And so when you came out here, did you feel that you sort of had to fit in or was there a... I tried for about a year. Okay, good. And then <laughs> I did. I gave it a year about, didn't I, Dave? Mm. Yeah, about a year, maybe less. Yeah. And then I went, fuck this. Yeah. I really did. I just couldn't be somebody else. And um, I kept painting the whole way through. It was my my solace. Yeah. And I want to ask you about that. Like, so you came mm. out here, you've had, literally had to build a whole new life. So what did that look like, especially when you've got young children and you're on a farm? It was tough enough, tough enough, because both Dave's parents were dead, so no support from that side. Um, in parents, I mean, I got support from his family. Um, and, um, and my parents were 14,000 miles away. And so, and so you started painting? I had. I, yeah. Or you were always a painter? Yeah, I went what? to art school. And but I actually, actually qualified my degree was in sculpture media, so that was why I could use a camera. So there was a lot of video work in it and performance work and that sort of very avant-garde work. That now I did notice a lot of sculptures around the oh, garden. That's mm -hmm. you. It's Simon, David, me. Yeah, we all work at. We love sculpture. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's that, it's that level of creativity where you create something from nothing. Yeah. And we love that tipping and, you know, finding things that just look right for the right spot. So mm. uh, now you did mention to me before that your house is made from the recycled yeah. goods. So how did that come about? So this bit of the house was here, a small bit, and then we put, um, we put the first bit on when we... Um, had enough recycled bits, and then we collected the recycle for years, mm. ten years, and then we put it mm. all together. And, and where from? Like what? Oh, Muggle Lane, ev anywhere that we could find that had what we would like. We would just go to auctions and sales, and and everything got used. So our sideboard is out of David's grandfather's workshop, and the drawers are made out of gunpowder boxes from the U.S. in that probably came here in 1850, 1870. So everything has got a story in there and got a piece of it that's, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of good. It's yeah. kind of good having stories all the way through the house. Well, it's interesting. It makes, mm. makes life a bit interesting. Mm. So so um, with your art, I want to just go back to that for a minute. Yeah. So I'm very lucky. I've got a huge mm. studio, huge. It was an old shed that we just cleared out. I'd never been in the back of the shed for the first 20 years of living here. And um, we just concreted the floor and... Plenty of space. We'll go down and have a look because mm. it's really worthwhile having a look. And um, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time looking at bodies from the inside out. So I'd look at x-rays to see what was happening inside so that you knew what was going on the inside. 
to without seeing the body from the outside. It's a body, but you're looking at it as an X-ray. And then moved on from that and been working on these hills for a long time now. Mm. And then after Dad died, I did a lot of sort of very dark stuff, which I think I'll paint over it all eventually. It's just got to sit there. Yeah. So it's very therapeutic. And um, I love it down there. But I can spend a whole day without even noticing the time passing. Yes, I think yeah. that is the idea though, isn't it? It is the idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole meditation on its own. It is, the mind therapy. you. <laughs> Since taking on the role of mayor, that sort of that sort of time isn't there at the moment. I think it'll settle down. I think, you know, once I get into the role and understand it a bit more and yeah, and pace what I'm doing, yeah. So you've had exhibitions mm-hmm. and you host them down in Sydney every couple of years. Yeah, so... Every three years or four years, yeah. Yeah, and you've written books. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. talk to me about that because that, again, is a creative process. So the first book was in 99 and that was about women in in rural Australia. And I ran these workshops and I asked these women what was the turning point in their lives and they all had a different answer the different answer equaled electricity. So some of them would say the fridge and some of them would say the washing machine, but it equaled electricity. And so we went from electricity back, not electricity forward. And they shared their stories. It was all anonymous. It had to be anonymous, otherwise Mm. they couldn't have shared. Um, They gave me the most amazing um, pictures and we called it Top of the Range Women. And it was a, a ripper of a book. And now most of those ladies are no longer with us. So I'm really glad I recorded their stories. And I know whose stories they were. Mm. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is that the history has been recorded. And then the next book took forever and a day. Oh, no, I did two children's books in between, which is a series that I'm working on called Wheelu. And it's about a, a seed that came to Australia from Ireland in my brother's hiking boot. <laughs> And then it got knocked out in a bushfire and germinated. Anyway, oh, that's wow. a fun book. Oh, that's a fun book. <laughs> and then I, it took me a long time to write Dust and Mud, which is, is really the story of rural Australia when all of their young men went to the First World War and the story of the boys when they were away and their letters home to their parents and what was happening on the farms and how the women really had to step up to the plate and do a lot of work and old men and really young children and they couldn't get shares and was a very hard time for them to maintain the industry out here. Mm. And look, this is only one place. It's like an example of the whole of New South Wales or the whole of Victoria. It, 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 it wouldn't matter where I wrote the book. The stories were the same. You know, I went to Canandra, the stories were the same. I went to Dubbo, the stories were the same. Every story was the same. Every mother lost a son. Every, every young man took his horse. They were just the same. And so that came out in... 2018 for the centenary of the war and it's sold very well and wow I'm really quite proud of it and does it make you sad to hear those stories or to read them or to be to to hear them like what did that what was the impact on you to hear that they were so resilient there's no sadness in it they just got on with it and um because now if I lost my son I'd be I know. How do, how do, I know, but how they were they too. They were yeah. too, but they just, they just got on with it. Mm. 
They were very proud of these boys who died. And so there's one story where um, a young man's medals are sent home and the lady goes around the whole district showing everybody his medal. And that was the important part for her because Mm. he'd done his duty. So maybe they got solace in that. And look, we had a different mindset. And I don't know, they were they were tough women mm. and tough men. I mean, the men, the men did it tough, the older men. Mm. Mm. War's not good. No. Rugby union's much better. I always think, look at rugby league or rugby union. So much better than war. Yes. <laughs> It's the same thing. I mean, the two people running at each other with blind disrespect for each other's bodies. Mm. <laughs> well, and that's it. And the, and the carnage. And the carnage. Behind. Yeah. yeah. Is it no, possibly recoverable? No, no. It is recoverable, but, mm. but, you know, it's much better than war. Yeah. And I'm lucky because my grandfather le- left me a huge legacy of information and stuff. So I've um, just finished a book on his work in the military mission in 1920, helping the refugees get out of Odessa, out of the Crimea, <laughs> all of the places in the Ukraine that have been decimated now where, where he was trying to help people get out. Mm. And he has pictures of people cramming the um, railway stations and I saw it on the telly. Yeah. I saw it on the telly 102 years later. It's just, when will we learn? It's it's like history repeating itself. Did Total. we not learn the lesson? We have not learned any lessons. Any yeah. lessons. So I suppose back to the mayor and back to here, I feel that I want to give back to this community what they gave me. And they have given me so much. Tell and, me about that. What does that look like? Okay, so I was quite sick in 2000. And people in the community were so kind to me. There was a wonderful woman at the hospital who was one of the cleaners. And you don't know you're being watched. You never even think anybody's watching you and you just don't want to eat lunch and you just feel like absolute shit. One day she came in at morning tea and she said, I'm keeping scones for you because I notice it's the only thing you eat. So scones came for lunch and I ate one and then scones came for my evening meal and I ate one and then the next day. And I still love scones. (laughs) But you know... Somebody to actually take the time to care that much. Mm. And I'll never forget that woman. And then another day I was in the old supermarket and I must have been looking shocking. And and the girl behind the counter said, oh, are you okay? And I said, oh, no, I'm just battling a bit. And um, two days later in the mail, a big box came with all sorts of treats in it and colorful socks and oh. jelly snakes and all sorts of things. Even bubbles you blow. (laughs) And I just thought, God, these are amazing people. You know, they really do look out for each other. And I was just a, nobody's living out in the country. So these people deserve to have somebody who really cares for them. And I really care for my community. Mm. Mm. Because I guess that's what, we're guaranteed to face challenges, aren't we? So Oh, God, yeah. And look, some days it can be hell. And you just think, I'm God, we're pushing shit uphill with a barrow with a flat tire. And then other days it's great. And you feel like other days you're banging your head against a brick wall. So how do we celebrate, or how do you celebrate the wins? Mm, Usually by ringing the other councillors. 
Mm. And having a gossip. We're pretty good at ringing each other, and we do have a feral amount of gossiping on the phone. <laughs> and we have we have we have a good bit of fun. Yeah, you know, it isn't it is fun, and I, I enjoy the fun, and I enjoy the other councillors. They really are a good lot of people, and I really you know they're all so diverse and colourful and God, it's it's good. Mm. Yeah. Talk to me about the um, Country Women's Association. It started here a hundred years ago by a small group of women. And I've heard the story and I understand there was a meeting in Sydney and Mrs. Laver got home as quick as she could on the train, got straight into Crookwell and got the first branch going. <laughs> and we've had a celebration already during the show weekend and we intend to have another celebration in April. And I'm very proud of those women because, you know, the CWA is not about jam women. and scones. <laughs> it's about lobbying. Yeah. And, you know, they were so instrumental in making nets during the Second World War to cover tanks. And they were so instrumental during the 60s about nuclear bombs. You know, so they haven't been sitting there making scones. They have actually had an enormous input in advocating for Australia. And they set up the first mother and baby hospital. So, you know, I think they're underestimated in every sense of the word. And I really think we need to lord them and absolutely celebrate them. Yeah, and I think they do play an important role in bringing that think tank together as well. Very much, very much. And, you know, it's a very diverse group of women and they have very diverse views mm. and only good can come out of it apart from the odd explosion and things but you know it's a healthy debate isn't it's it? a healthy debate it's a healthy debate it's a nice yeah. way of putting it yes very nice way but i am very pro cwa and i'm very um very keen to support them in every sense of the word they need a dishwasher okay. so if you know of anybody who <laughs> like well, to contribute a dishwasher let me know <laughs> well, you know, well, and after 100 years, I think they deserve a dishwasher. I do too. I certainly do. And Dave and I did part of the washing up last time. <laughs> it, was, it was good fun. There's always banter in the kitchen yeah. afterwards and you can have a post-mortem yes. on how the event went. <laughs> um, so what's the, what's the biggest contribution, do you think, that um, country women make to society? Oh, God. Or the community. I know it's a big question. That's a big question, yeah. I think they, the glue that holds it together. You know, uh, if we think about a wheel, the women are the hub. And coming out from the wheel are all these spokes. And the spokes can break, but the wheel will keep going. But if the hub breaks, the whole thing falls apart. And I see the country as the outer rim of the wheel and then the women are the hub right in that middle all of what happens out there is dependent upon them to drive it you know they run those houses and I think they've been a backbone for a very long time and I don't really feel that's changed that much I also feel that we've great brains out here and there are women who are really contributing to innovative ideas and and you know moving us forward and of course Everything in life changes, but, you know, we like to control that change so it, it works for what we have and what character we have and where we are. Um, 
and we are still the authentic country town. Mm. Uh-huh. So do you think there's been an impact from the Me Too movement in the country? Probably not. I don't think so. Because they're already strong. I think they're, they're already, already out there. I doing think, the, yeah. I think they're very gutsy. And they're women. holding space, aren't they? They, they are. They're very good at holding that mm. space. They are. And I think they're very gutsy women because they've stuck it out out here. Because, you know, it can be tough. Mm. It can be really tough if it doesn't rain for a long time. You can be dealing with quite a lot of issues that are just very depressing. And I hate that, you know, the use, the overuse of the word mental health. and the, But it can be very tough. Yeah. And tough on families and tough on, on the men. So, therefore, if it's tough on the men, then the women are holding them up. But, like we said earlier, there are good friendship groups and there are also good social groups. And I think those social groups are really, really refreshing because you get out, have a laugh with your friends, and then you can go back and face it again. Mm. And you don't even have to change your muddy boots. No, no. No, no, because there's no mud. But you might have to rub the dust off when you get out of the car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I feel so enormously grateful to be here and enormously happy with, with the direction we're going in and happy... Look, we've enormous, no, that's not the word. We have humongous challenges as a council because we're really behind on on things like maintenance. But I still see a big light at the end of a tunnel. Mm. You know, I don't I don't think we're running into a brick wall. It's a possible, not a probable. It's yeah. a possible. Yeah. And um and I, I refuse to run into brick walls because it's a very bad activity. Oh, well, I have a feeling that you could possibly make your own ladder to go over yeah, the I'd brick wall. Yeah, i go over the top. Yes. Mm. I was going to do that race, True Grit, but it got postponed due to the wet. And when I said, oh, that's ridiculous, of course we could have done it. And then I looked at the wet and we'd have had to swim. You know, just for heaven's sake, a little bit of mud. And my God, it was, there were three metres of water there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was meant to be again this weekend and it still hasn't subsided enough. Well, I think that's what's great, though, about the country is that you're very adaptable to those changes mm. because the weather is pretty much the dictator of everything. The way, yep, of every- everything. <laughs> everything. And people say, oh, you're so lucky in Australia. The weather's always good. You can always go on a picnic. Don't be ridiculous. Picnic planned and it's pouring. Yes. <laughs> and it doesn't just pour. It absolutely buckets. So that yeah. leads me to my question about disappointment and how do you deal with that? I go for a walk with Abby and Audrey <laughs> and Ginny. Now they're the dogs that we have met today. <laughs> Abby's the top dog. Abby's the work dog. Yeah. And she's my my very soulmate dog. Mm-hmm. And do you and, feel that that just sort of clears the air of, hmm, yeah, hmm. And look, we always get disappointments. Mm-hmm. I get over them pretty quick, you know. Yeah, things happen. Things, you know. <laughs> or they don't. Yeah, Thank or they don't. And I just think, Christ, thank God we're not in the Ukraine. Yeah, you know, there's look, there's always somebody better than you, and there's always somebody worse. And it's so good just to be able to get up and get out there and do stuff. Mm. And. So, uh, I don't know. Best you can on the day. I think that might be it. Yeah. I might borrow that from you. you Best can have that you one. can on the day. Best you can on the day. Yeah. And, and that's a very mindful way 
yeah. of being. I think especially out here when things do change or... I've taught myself to um, to meditate and I've taught myself how to really take myself out of a bad place or a disappointment or anger. And that's been a big learning curve and that's mm. happened in the last probably five years, seven years. And I'm calmer all round because of that. Oh, here comes a dog. Which one? Lockie. Lockie. Oh, she's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, and which one's this one? This is Audrey. Audrey. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. The Hepburn. The Hepburn. Yes. <laughs> Did you really want to speak up? <laughs> speak up. Speak up. Oh, my God. No. Yeah, so gratitude. I feel so grateful to just. Mm. Mm. All right. So mm. one of my last questions is about your everyday. What does that look like for you? Oh, holy smoke. I know. It's not the mm. same, but it's. Mm. So in the old days, it was get up, go to the gym in Crookwell and then quickly go to the supermarket, come home and get in the garden or help Dave out in the yards or go down to the studio or and when I was finishing off the last book, work on that. Mm. But that's all changed. It's all completely changed. Now, if there isn't a meeting before 10.30, I'll... um, Go to the gym and then I'll run across the road in the gym clothes into the office, into my lovely office in the chambers, um, a meeting with the general manager. And then um, then my office is open for people to come if they have a issue. Oh, I love that. And um, so it's there. I'm yeah. very happy for people to come in because sometimes it's better than talking on the phone. Hmm. And... Um, then I might finish up about 11 or 12 and there, there may be a second meeting or on a Tuesday we were doing induction. So it just depends on the day. But most most days I'll try to um, be in town. But I've also tried to have one day at home at least or one day where I'm not doing council stuff. Work-life balance. Hmm. And I think that'll sort itself out a bit more once I get more more in tune with the job Mm. it's very new I'm learning as I go and I've said to you know a lot of the new well not new mayors they're old mayors mayors that I've met that have been in the um Canberra joint organization I said to them you know it's a big learning curve and they're going yeah but you learn as you go and you know nobody's perfect yeah and And everybody had to start somewhere they did and you know they're enormously supportive these guys and they're all guys except for the mayor of Hilltops and the mayor of Bigger Valley. And um, I thought there would be more women, but there aren't. Yeah. So do you find that um, there's a challenge in that? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. No, no, no. So there was no real barrier as such for never, women to Never, get never. Involved. It's always been absolutely gender perfect or whatever yeah. the word. Gender neutral. Neutral. That's the word. Gender neutral. So if there was anything I was going to say that I miss living out here, it's the ocean and the beach because I grew up very close to the beach and every day was spent on the pebbles or in the sea, even though it was freezing. And what what would be your favourite beach? Mm, Probably Kelso Bay. It's in County Waterford and it's really rocky. But you can't swim there because it's got a goes out and then it just dips right off. I don't know. There's a couple of them. Whiting Bay. 
And what, how does it compare to the beaches in Australia? Oh, Australia's beaches are beautiful and they're just great for swimming. But there's something about an Irish beach and pouring rain and freezing cold that's just exhilarating. Do they have the, the wharf, the bay, the um, jetties? Yeah, we yeah, yeah, there's some jetties, yeah. But, uh, yeah, down at Ferry Point there's a jetty and that's a, that's a good spot to go. Because yeah. it is a big boating Oh, enormous, enormous, enormous. We grew up on boats, tinkering around, catching mackerel. <laughs> Did you cook it though? Yes, always. And then potatoes in seawater. As in cooked? Cooked in the seawater. Oh, that's such a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, always. Why do we not bottle that stuff up? I don't know. <laughs> There's an industry for us indeed. <laughs> innovation, innovation. Oh, my goodness. Suddenly my mind is roaring about our potato festival and what we could have with it. <laughs> you can boil it up. In, we can bring the seawater out to mm. pool mm. and boil up and see the difference. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. So fresh mackerel, spuds boiled in seawater and a bit of salad. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> All right. So, so give me the last message from the mayor of the Upper Lachlan. What is it that you want the rest of the world to know? Didn't you warn me? <laughs> I gave you some preemptive questions. <sighs> What's well, normally the first thing that comes to mind? Well, what I was going to say straight to you was get up every day and live every moment. Make it a little bit better than we did yeah. yesterday. But also, do a lot of smiling. You know? You can you can give somebody a really good day if you smile. Mm. I did notice that walking down the main street, as soon as you start to smile, people, yeah. they lift up and smile. Their yeah. eyes cross, yeah. your eyes cross, and it's just like, oh, yeah, I know you're human. Mm. So I just think, yeah, be grateful for how lucky you are to live in a place like this and, and just enjoy it, embrace it. Mm. Wherever. And go hard or go home. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for, for lunch and for sitting down and talking with me. I, I've certainly got to know you a lot better and I know that our listeners will as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you're you. You're gorgeous. And you're doing great <laughs> things for the Upper Lachlan and I think it's wonderful to see an agenda like yours, which thank is so you. embracing. Thank you. And just loving this earth. Mm. <laughs> we'll see you next time. You will. Bye. I'd like to thank Pam for her hospitality on this particular day and we got to go into the town where we saw the Arcadia, which is a great little business and a cafe. We dropped into Vinnie's and we also saw our friends from the Crichton Hotel. It was lovely to meet the councillors uh, in Crookwell and we look forward to catching up with them and seeing how they're going in a few months. But for now, we hope that this interview has given you more insight into the landscape of local government and the women who have stepped into the role of leadership. This is an independent media production by Shirepod and Pip Radio. And we want you to know we do not align with any political party or show favoritism. This is one of many interviews in our Women in Power series. 
and we'd love to know what you think. So please leave us a comment on Apple, Google or Podbean or contact us via our website at www.sutherlandshirepodcaststation.com.au. Please share the episode with someone who you think might be interested or you can contact our guest via the link in the show notes. We look forward to bringing you more via our channel on shirepod.podbean.com. <laughs>